Tom Brady's player page has uh, a goat for a head. And I said, how fucking ironic. Welcome to the Dynasty Academy. Michael Washington Weeks. I mean, how, how much more can we talk about friggin' Najee Harris and Devontae Smith and, I mean, Mark Angst? Want to hear something funny? And yes, you heard him correctly. Donovan Peoples-Jones was in that list. Restart. Eli Emanuel. I have a tinfoil hat on right now. Now tell us the four. <laughs> tell us the four. <laughs> I have legal on too many apps. I don't know what to follow. Talk about guys like Michael Carter and Sage Surratt and where they're going to end up and do they do anything for themselves. Tonight, we're just going to have general discussion. We're just going to shoot the shit, per se, and just discuss football, everything and anything you can think of, whether it's Divi or uh, college, NFL. We'll discuss the Super Bowl, I'm sure, as well. Mark has a special shout-out to give to somebody as well tonight. I think that I think what we should do is record the whole time, and then when we get the Green Bay picks, just use that as an outtake, just straight for Eli's reactions alone. Because last year would have been pure gold. So when they draft Rondell Moore this year, and we hear him scream, we'll be if, able to hear the, see, the scream of joy. There's a piece of me that's like, what happens when they do draft a receiver, <laughs> even in the top like three rounds at this point? Give me something. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm just thinking that when they draft uh, Pat Fryer Muth at, you know, 20-whatever. Well, he's kind of like a wide receiver. I mean... At least he's an offensive Elijah weapon. Elijah Moore, please. Yeah, but so was Josiah Dugaru. No, 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 That's not the same. H.J. Dillon was an offensive weapon. You're right, he was. At a position they didn't need. I mean, hey, maybe they're looking at the future. Maybe they'll draft Travis Etienne. <laughs> I'd take I, I'll be honest. I, I was saying, that's honest. not going to hurt him. That's, that that my, just means Dylan goes away. My Harris and Etienne gap is like tighter than it was like early on. Well, um, maybe uh, wait, maybe wait, like, you're saying they're closer than they were? Mm-hmm. Oh, really? I'm starting to like Etienne more. Really? Wow. Did you say he's never had a, a rush over so many yards? His longest rush was, what, 39 yards? Uh, was 42. 42? 42. Yeah, something like that. This year against Kentucky. It's just, it's just a weird, like, if you're as fast as we think you are and what you show, what, like, why isn't he getting past that last – Defender, defenders, uh, and then you watch the film. What was Nick Chubb's longest rush in college? Like, I don't think he – I can't ever remember Nick Chubb rattling off huge plays like that. I mean, he does in the NFL. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, Well, you also have to remember with Alabama, too, they pass the ball a lot more than I think people realize, and they always have top receivers that come in and out of that place. So, I mean, if you think about it, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle are both going to be first-round picks this year. That's going to be four wide receivers that Najee Harris played with, drafted in the first rounds in two drafts. So they may not have needed to actually have him play off those big runs. So the play designs might be a lot more 
you know, halfback dive or, you know, off tackle, very generic type blocking. And that's always been the knock for a lot of Bama running backs. If you think about it, go all the way back to Mark Ingram, <clears throat> you know, it, it was really, I mean, that was always the knock on him. Like, oh, well, he has three reads and that's it. It doesn't develop in the next level. I mean, how many Bama running backs have really, truly been successful in their first couple of years in the NFL? You know, it took Mark Ingram a little while in New Orleans. It took Derrick Henry a little bit in Tennessee. I remember when people were calling for Derrick Henry's head, you know, his third year in the league. And now everybody thinks this guy is the best running back since the Ladanian Tomlinson. You know what I mean? Like, right. <clears throat> I mean, these, these are his longs each season, 35, 32, 31, 53. I mean, it doesn't tell me how many there is, but those are his longs each season. Who's that? Chubb? He has, Who is that? Chubb? No, that's Harris. Harris. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can look up Nick Chubb's too, but, um, but he's also averaged literally six yards a carry. That's that's his average, and it it doesn't change <laughs> from year to year. It's, I mean, his touches change, but he's six point one, six point seven, five point nine, five point eight. Yeah. He actually had more touches this year than he did any other season, and it seemed like early on they were really not even they're barely using him. Well, I mean that's just the way. But I think that's just a testament to Najee's talent. You know, that's the reason why. 46 touchdowns in his career. Yeah. 80 receptions. <laughs> like, that's that's insane. 80. For a guy his size. On a team that doesn't throw to the running back. No. <laughs> I mean, look at Kamara. That's, I mean, not Kamara. Um, uh, Josh Jacobs. The guy who was supposedly used in that role. Like, what was his career? Uh, 30? <laughs> yeah, like nothing. So. Yeah, I just, I, I'm not worried about Najee just because he averages that yards per carry at that level. So, like, when you average that yards per carry at that level, you're literally talking about at any given moment in time, he could break one off. Whether it be 48, 49, 52, 55, whatever it may be. It's just going to be interesting to see what his top line speed is. So, so Chubb's longs were 83, 83, 55, and 55. Oh, wow. So he did have a couple. Of, I don't remember him ever having that many big runs. They must have been against teams like I didn't pay attention, like South Carolina. Yeah, like I said, though, like when you watch <laughs> the – when you watch Harris run most of the runs, you know, he is – when you give a six yards per carry average, you're breaking off. 10, 15, 20-yard runs, how many of those did he have? Are they running the ball on the backside of the field, right? I Those are the things where I don't that, – that doesn't worry me. I watch him run. He's still number one. I just think I have a little bit more of a 1A, 1B where I might take ETN from a spot if Najee was there, if I wanted to um, diversify, if you will. Where as previously it was one two for me, where I was not going to take or take ETN over Najee Harris in any situation. Now I'm at a point where I'm like, yeah, I could probably do it, depending. I'm, you know, I don't know if I could take. So, e I don't know if I could take ETN over him at all. So I don't know if somebody wants to look up what the target chair for Clyde was last year, but. We talked about two prolific offenses. 
Alabama and LSU both offenses went bananas these past two seasons. Wasn't Clyde's target share on his team still only like a 9% even though he had 55 catches? Wasn't it something like that? Because they threw the ball so much like he was going to end up with targets no matter what. So for Alabama, Najee's target share was 13%. Yeah. We're talking about CEH was 10.2%. 10 point with with LSU or with Kansas City? College target share, 10.2%. Okay. You know, we're we're talking about and he did it on less target less targets and receptions. 57 targets, 43 receptions. And he, he commanded almost 15% target share as a running back on a team that does not throw to the running back. I mean they were spreading him out wide at times, and I'm like, holy shit, like a 230-pound man shouldn't be going out there running in and out patterns like a, a wide receiver. Yeah, not Najee Harris's last three games really just set in stone for me. That was just there's no one A or one B here. If anything, it's two A, two B for me, and that's just because I think Javante Williams is going to project better at the next level. <clears throat> ETN just just like had such a weird year this this season. His yards per carry drive in, and I know yards per carry in college not this big thing, but he went from in the sevens to to a five point four. He had all. I mean, he only played three less games than last year. Carried the ball thirty. 40 less less times, but only could put up 900 yards. Like, that's just – and you only, you only play without Lawrence twice. So you can't even be like – But you, you can't know, even say – Lawrence for multiple games. And you can't even say that DJ Uyagala – His receptions played. went up, which was good. Right. And you can't even say that Uyagala – He didn't play bad at all. Right. You can't say he played bad. That would be the, the cause for ETN to – you know what I mean? Like, it's not like – Trevor Lawrence went out and they threw out Nathan Peterman. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So, I, I the, don't know. The one thing that worries me most about ETN is that whenever I watch him, he reminds me so much of a Reggie Bush at the college level, where he's just so electric that they can't contain him. But to me, that's if if he can go somewhere where they can use him, like a Alvin Kamara, he's going to produce at a high level be just because of how explosive and elusive he is. He's more of the, he's got to go to the right spot to the right team to utilize him and get him in space versus Najee can go pretty much anywhere and just fill an all-purpose back role. I, I like ETN. Oh, I totally agree with that. Uh, I, I like ETN, absolutely. And, and ETN could be, you know, like you said, a Camaro of this you know, draft class, it just depends on where he goes. I mean, if he goes to a dreadful spot, it's just not going to be like, I don't think he would thrive in Seattle. I think that he would be, I think he could thrive in San Francisco. Yeah. But I don't see him in a Seattle type role. You know, the, the concerning thing about Javante is the late breakout. Yeah, late breakouts always is always concerning, especially. But I don't. I think running backs a little bit different though, 
I don't think it's as prominent in running back as it is receiver yeah, quarterback. But it's still not till this season. Yeah. Well, I mean, that might be the not even like Michael, it was last year. That might be the reason why Michael Carter's creeping up boards because he had two really good years. He's keeping up boards because his because his well his senior bowl is really and and it but it happens every year with the senior bowl guys. Well, I mean, it's not just his senior bowl; it's also his senior year. And Andy Isabella in the year before that, though. Well, well, yeah, but I mean, nobody was talking about him all season long, even though he was doing it until pretty recently when he was the only running back in the senior bowl to do an absolute anything. He's not that, that tall. Stands out, he, I mean, he's only 5'8", but he's still over 200 pounds. I, I honestly have had an eye on Carter for, you know, his entire senior year. I just didn't draft him because I wasn't sure where he projected. That was my only problem. And I still don't know where he projects. I mean, technically his breakout season was in 2017. Right. According to however player profiler determines what their breakout season is. Yeah. He had right. eight touchdowns. I'm assuming, that, I'm assuming eight touchdowns that year was his. He had nine total, so he must have had a receiving touchdown that year. Yep. But again, then fall. I mean, so he must have been injured in 2018 because he only played nine games. And then 2019, he got more touches, had over a thousand yards, but his yards per carry was only 5.7. So like he's he's yo-yoed his yards per carry: 5.8, 7.1, 5.7, 8.0. He, well, you just said only 5.7, but Najee's was 5.8 this year. Yeah, I'm just – what I'm saying to compared to his other two seasons, he's yo-yoing for whatever reason. Now, again, his injured year could be why it's propped up. And it's at 7.1 because he only had 84 um, attempts, rushing attempts. Well, you got to remember something, too. North Carolina exactly hasn't had a pro-level team until you know, – um, you could say last year. Well, what's his name came in as the head coach? I can't think of his name for some reason. Why am I having a tough time with his name? Mac Brown. Yeah, Mac Brown. I was he was there until the 19. Right, and he had a good year in 2019. D- depending on how you really look at it. I mean, 177 rush attempts, 1,000 yards, five, five total touchdowns, 21 receptions, only 154 yards on those receptions for 5.8 target share. Right, but he went for 1,000 yards with a true freshman at quarterback. Sure. I mean, but you, you, you're still going for over 1,000 yards in an in a, in a offense for a first-year offense as, a, as the starting running back with a true freshman quarterback. I mean, it's not like North Carolina last year just because Mac Brown was there was all of a sudden a, a pro-heavy team. I mean, Sam Howell had to have the breakout. Nobody expected Sam Howell to be that guy. <clears throat> you know, I mean, there was some buzz around him, but it's not like he came in as the number one quarterback recruit. So, I mean, the fact that Carter was still able to do that, yeah, that's not it, – I mean, that's still impressive. But it, it's its no different than what they did this year. They pretty much were right on pace with each other, Carter and, and Javante. The hard part for me with Carter and with a few of these other running backs as, you know, the draft and all this, uh, the pro days start to ramp up. One question I had after you guys were talking about that was a guy I've been looking at 
over the past couple of years, and that's Trey Sermon, just because he never produced. I drafted Kennedy Brooks, which whatever there, over him and a Debbie draft, somebody – neither one produced really after that until now Trey Sermon comes out and finishes the season really strong for Ohio state. And how much of that recency bias is going to inject into these draft picks. And what, I mean, is he potentially for real? Well, and that's my thing is like, Mark, when we did our running back rankings back in December, you had Javante Williams at three. So what was it about Javante Williams that you saw that made you put him at three, but now you look at what Michael Carter's body of work has done, makes you go, meh. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, Trey Sermon, yeah, he might have necessarily been, quote-unquote, a late breakout and and whatnot, but, like, what is it about? Like, what are we looking at for a running back? How do we determine what this is? I mean, if Michael Carter's breakout year was 2017, why are you I don't know why... That's his breakout year. I'm going to be honest. It's got to be the touchdowns because other than that, the rest of his stuff isn't that. But but why is it that Carter is – you look at Carter with his body of work and go, eh, but then Javante Williams, you have ranked three. You know what I'm saying? Like there, there's, there's got to be there's got to be some kind of connect there. Yeah, but 5'8 not a bad size. It's, it's, not just, it's not tall, but it's not like it's a bad size for a running back. What's his weight? 220? It's, it's, it's 202. 202? So he's a little bit smaller than Javante Williams. At 5'8", but I mean, it's still a good size for a 5'8 running back. Height doesn't really matter for a running back as much, as long as, long as there's size to it. And, it I mean, it, it has has somewhat effect. I mean, they, they for one, they get typecast. You, you're going to get – so he's going to have a tougher road for that. Two, you know, it, it. I think it wear and tears your body more. You don't have the – like, you're putting 202 on a 5'8 frame. It's – it's not going to hold as well as a five foot ten frame having two ten two fifteen. Well, right. I mean, I've, I've seen some power to... lifters walk around their entire career at two seventy five, two sixty five, and they're all of five foot six because their frame can handle it. I mean, and, and I'm not, and I'm just, I'm just trying to find out what the kid, like. I, I completely agree that Javante Williams projects better at the next level, and I understand wholeheartedly that Michael Carter. I don't know what to do with him and where he goes at the next level. I just it's just weird to me that we look at the body of work. Javante Williams has a late breakout age, which usually is concerning for players. But then you take a look at right. Michael Carter's entire body of work, and we just kind of are like, well, Javante Williams third, write it off, doesn't matter. Second and second. Well, no, so, I mean, that, but my break, the, the reason I said breakout age was because we have Javante where we might are considering him over ETN. We had it took him till his third season to break out in whatever, and again, whatever the criteria is of breakout, I would probably, I mean, he only had six total, total touchdowns last year, but he had 933 rushing yards. Right. To me, that's probably more of a breakout yeah. than, you know, Michael Carter's 97 for 559 and nine total TDs. Right. You know, why is that chosen as the breakout compared to Javante's, 166, 933, and six total TDs. So he has scored three less TDs, but touched the ball more, had more yards, stuff like that. Like that's what I mean. I don't know what they how they constitute breakout year. Right. That's my only issue with that. Um, I mean, we're also talking about two North Carolina running backs that dealt with a team that really wasn't like, you know, producing pro level players until recently. I mean, you're talking about yeah, but it was, mean we don't see. 
Well, right, but ETN was on Clemson. ETN was on Clemson, so having that talent to be able to break out, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot more prominent than it is at like a North Carolina situation, I guess, is where, you know, it's not like Alabama players. It's not like Alabama players have literally lit lit the world on fire. I mean, but they're every year they're constantly pumping out prospects in the first, second rounds because of it being Bama is what I'm getting at. Like, is it too much? Is it too much yeah, one way and not enough the other? Let's be honest though. What? What? Why isn't Jamar Jefferson higher well, Jamar, on our, I mean, on people's boards when he broke out? Broke out at eighteen. Um, yes, yeah, last year wasn't great, but only played nine games on an ankle injury too. This year, in only this year, only six games. He still had over six point five yards per carry. Scored seven touchdowns. You know, you know, they're not throwing him the ball, but this is Oregon State we're talking about. Well, he's my number four. This is like this is a prolific team, right? You know, which, he's, which is he's, fine. But he's, he's not. My RB, he's my RB. He's my RB four right now. Considered in that. No, well, maybe you know, we're he's the, five ten two seventeen according to this. Maybe we're the only ones that You're only twenty going to be twenty one. Right. <laughs> I, I, Jamar Jefferson, you guys have seen. I, he's a guy that Packers should take late in the draft and. I don't I mean, know if he's going to watch him. I think he's well, – speak, Speaking of – I feel like we're going to have a few guys that go before him that probably shouldn't, but um, – Oh, there's a, there's probably five guys that will get drafted before him that shouldn't. I, I will willing to probably Hubbard, guarantee that. Hubbard, Sermon. Hubbard just because of his speed. but Carter, Hubbard, Sermon, Gainwell. Now tell us the four. <laughs> tell us the four. <laughs> so I, I believe I named four running backs that could easily go ahead of Jamar Jefferson in the draft. Gainwell, Carter, Sermon, Hubbard. I could see them all get drafted before Jamar Jefferson gets drafted. I, I think I – mean, uh, yeah. Their, their regional pro days will obviously have a huge effect, so that, that could change if he's for some reason ha- has this great speed with the size he already has. I don't see it happening, but he does have breakaway speed based on some of his games. But, I mean, I'm sure that's not even the end of the list. Well, I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I could see all four of those guys getting drafted, but I also see this being a very loaded second and third round at running back, just like it was last year. I really feel like we're going to see a chunk of guys go in the second and third round. And don't forget, we had CEH at ranked fifth or outside, and he was the first one to go, surprising us all at 32. So, I mean, <clears throat> you, you never know. I guess it just depends on where these GMs are and coaches are and how they feel about certain players. You know, Jamar Jefferson is probably going to be scouted a lot more heavily by Seattle Seahawks guys being out in that region. You know, they they have a running back situation. You know, I mean, I love Rashad Penny, but, I mean, the guy, we haven't seen what he can do. We've seen flashes, you know. Who's to say Seattle doesn't take a second round pick on Jamar and say, you know, you can do what Chris Carson does just better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sorry. So you could add Kylan Hill, Monday Stevenson. I think Kylan Hill, the senior bowl and him opting out that whole year. I think that shot him in the foot. He might be a fourth round pick if he's lucky. Yeah, but, the, but yeah, but Jamar could be a fifth round pick. Jared Patterson. 
Jarrett Patterson is probably the only other guy that I could probably say there could go there. But if you're worried, if you're worried about height, you got to be worried about height with Jarrett Patterson too. I mean, the dude's what five six. I- Five, I don't seven. even know if he's in my top ten, to be honest with you. No, so I, I'm I, just I'm just saying that if height is an issue with with NFL level people with like Michael Carter and stuff, I mean, you got to throw that Jarrett Patterson into that situation too. I, I, I just, don't know if the NFL really doesn't. I don't know if height matters to them as much as it does to us. I mean, Sproles, Whitehead, Boston Scott—they all seem to find a role. Because yeah, Singletary's on the shorter side. You're just, you're just not going to get an RB1 all-purpose back. Right. You need to know that you're drafting a flex. Yes. Right. Well, yeah, and, that, and that's fine. And it, it also depends on what kind of role you're putting him in, too. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it depends on where he goes, if he's going to be utilized properly or if it's going to be, you know, we're going to throw you to the wolves type of situation. Right. right. I just but think the, that goes back to Eli's point from earlier, that this draft more than – ever probably has such a huge effect on landing spot, especially for the wide receivers. Well, for the wide receivers, for sure. Because there isn't, outside of Bateman, none of the other top guys are really that size specimen type receiver who really is the the alpha based on what he looks like. Hey, I'm not, doing a, I'm not typing in the chat. I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm changing subject briefly. I'm doing the thing. I just wanted to say it so I didn't have to get sued again. That means I'm up next. Yeah, you're up now. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead and finish your thought, Mark. My apologies, do, do, man. Do you want to explain what the thing is for the listeners? <clears throat> so the thing is uh, for us out there – sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut Mark off, but I, I was on the clock in the draft we're doing. And the thing is drafting a tight end because everybody here at Dynasty Academy, for the most part, hates tight ends. It's not that we, we hate tight ends for fantasy purposes. NFL, they're fine. Fantasy purposes, oh. tight end sucks. <laughs> so mainly, we, oh, go ahead. mainly because there's only about three tight ends that are worth rostering. And at the ADP that you have to take them, it's not always necessarily worth that. Yep. That's my whole well, that's yeah. my only thing. You can you can streamline it. I don't completely understand why people go so crazy over tight end premium that they like Oh, you got to put George Kittle in the first round. No, you don't. Um, I was just offered George Kittle for Dalvin Cook straight up. I mean, unless George Kittle's getting two points per reception and Cook's getting half, it's not worth it. No, it's not at all. I'm about to draft Jake Fromm. I've been waiting for you to draft Jake Fromm. I really (laughs) have been. Yeah, no doubt. I almost did it a couple of times. I've looked at him. All right, Mark. Nah, he's... Running backs. Back, back on track, guys. Let's get back. Oh, That's my fault. Wait, 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 I threw wait, us wait. off. Oh, oh, Eli's going to say. All right, hold on. I, I threw Sorry. us off. This is my we, fault. We've kind of, we, it was perfect. We segued into wide receivers, and I was thinking about it with our startup draft, and we kind of talked about you know, a little bit last week, but we didn't go into a ton of detail on draft spots. One thing with all the startup drafts that are happening right now, do not miss out on the 2020 receiver class in your startup draft. Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, T. Higgins, those are the top three. You want to try to get them. Even CD and Higgins are probably the best value where you're going to be able to grab them. But I'm still going after Justin Jefferson everywhere. 
And then the lesser valued players like uh, Brandon Ayuk, Denzel Mims, Michael Pittman, Donovan Peoples-Jones are all going to be <laughs> later round picks in your startup draft, and you can grab them. And yes, you heard him correctly. Donovan Peoples-Jones was he's in that the, list. He's the lo- later one. He's later. <laughs> the only way that DPJ, I mean, I took him in like the 16th round. Give me a break here. The only way DPJ is going to be in trouble is if Cleveland goes out of their way to draft an early early day receiver. I, I, I really doing. hope they don't because if they don't, it's I'm just going, woo, boy. <laughs> I, I don't expect them to, but that would be the only thing that would really cause me to sour on DPJ at this point. Then he just needs to so. just break out and go off, and then they'll trade OBJ. Well, I was going to say, don't also count out if they do go early wide receiver, depending on who it is, trade in. They trade OBJ for something. Well, OBJ and Landry. I mean, Landry's getting older, too, so that doesn't help. But Now, if they, tra- now if they one draft Elijah guys. Moore, DPJ. Yeah. <laughs> Elijah Moore to the Green Bay Packers, please. You guys have been begging but, for a receiver for like 10 years, and it just doesn't come. So, But what I was saying – Back on track. Was <laughs> this, this group – I mean, outside of probably Najee Harris and for me probably Jamar Chase, nobody else is team-proof that – where they go could have a huge effect on them because Devonta Smith is great. Going to Baltimore is not great for him. They need a uh, big wide receiver. I hope that Ter- doesn't happen. Terrace Marshall, Rashad Bateman, guys like that. Sage Surratt even. Guys that can body up, win over the middle, the comeback routes, the crossing routes, the, po- the things, and then open things up for Hollywood. But that's what I mean where there just really isn't many of those guys that can just go anywhere and just be great in this draft. So I do think Seth Williams is a guy that's going to go higher than we expect. And I think size that, and speed. Exactly. He's, I mean, he's not the fastest guy in this draft by any means, but he's six foot three. So he's, I mean, you go through the list of guys here, like I'm looking at my rankings and you go Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, um, Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore. They're all smaller. People are, they're going to be looking at the Amon Ross St. Brown, Seth Williams. No, it's, there are only a few, but I think if a few of them go to the right spot, we're going to, I think Seth Williams produces. But even, even Amon Ross is only 6'1". Yeah. Yeah, but he's still bigger than we're talking five ten with some of these other guys. Yeah, yeah I mean, but they but that's what they think. They they all fall in this five ten six foot one range. I think that's my biggest thing with Seth Williams for me though is even though the size and speed, you know, he's not the fastest guy in the world, but he does have some speed. He just he's boring to me. <laughs> like I fully expect him to be. I, I fully expect him to to go high in the in the NFL draft, and you know he's a guy I'll keep an eye on when it comes time for rookie drafts for you know some value in the second round, but. It's just such a boring player to me. He's the classic question. Is it him? Was it the system? Right. And when I say is it him, not in that he doesn't have the tools, did he not care because he knew the offense they ran and he didn't really want to try that hard, so he half-assed a lot of plays? Or was it just literally the system didn't put him in position with Bo Nix? Right. So, I mean, Bo Nix is the next Tom Brady. 
yeah, how he tests will be very interesting. But but, uh, say, but you know what? That that that's a good segue for a little a little comment for the person who thinks that in our leagues. Um, I won't I won't name him off, but uh, he owns Bone Nicks and likes to talk him up because he has him in the one C two C league. He is also the guy that had the steal of the draft in our current C two C draft, getting Najee Harris in the twenty sixth round <laughs> of the draft. He wanted a shout. There he got it. He also took Peyton Manning. He's also drafted about 20 rookie picks. Um, but, yeah, he, he got Najee in the 26th round. And he lasted in all about two minutes. And I cut that out pretty quick. Uh, and the reason you know, he got he, Najee because Sleeper added the rookies in the middle of the draft. He actually hates Bo Nix, by the way. Oh, I know he does. But he owns them. <laughs> oh, so he has to love them. Because he owns them. But it was a good segue. So, so segue. Huh, we're gonna segue off of your segue. Is there a term for that? Is there just like a double segue? Double segue. Double segue. Jinx. So you said you brought up the goat, and I did say I was gonna talk about this because I was super annoyed and I had to tweet it. I didn't. I, I didn't add the person because <laughs> he he's a troll, so he would just you know they, he would get more pleasure out of that because that's how kind of how it works. A certain person that has a certain website with pictures of players and metrics and things of that nature a while back tweeted something of Tom Brady and there was a little silhouette of a goat up in the corner. And I tweeted at him and said, you should just Photoshop a goat onto Tom Brady's head. And his response said, uh, you sound bad at design. And I kind of laughed and was like, oh, okay, yeah. Put the goat on Tom Brady's head, huh? And then I'm scrolling through today, and I noticed that, guess what? Tom Brady's player page has uh, a goat for a head. And I said, how fucking ironic. <laughs> Tom Brady's a goat. I'll give you that. And I'll be honest, if, if you didn't think he was prior to the Super Bowl, there's no way you can't. And if you still don't admit it, then... You know, I think a lot of I think a lot with the Tom Brady. I think a lot of people just I. I you you admitted it. Well, I'm, but I've also admitted it like five years ago. Like I've literally been quietly thinking it for five years, five six years ago. I just haven't openly said it, mainly because of the fact that it's just one of those things where, like, I live in New England, and I and I grew up around a lot of. Well, I don't want to say I grew up, but I watched a lot of people grow up in the spoiled era of having the spoiled Patriots teams. And I get to listen to the fans talk about this guy in general. And it just, it drove me up the friggin' wall. So I've never fully openly admitted it because I don't want to. Now I don't mind so much because they've kind of realized, Oh, Hey, you know, we went six and 10. We don't really have much to talk about. Um, but the thing with it is I think a lot of people just, they, they hold on to a lot of stuff. You know, you talk about deflate gate, spy gate, you know, you talk about, you know, Brady is the system. Like, and, and I have to, I have to completely mention that Tom Brady is a system quarterback and it's not a knock on him because he is the system. That system is legitimately ingrained in him. I mean, they admitted that at Tampa Bay admitted that after the, the break, the bye week, they implemented some of the offense from New England and did what he was good at. 
they implemented their offense and they implemented some of the some of the elements from New England in the offense. They flat out admitted that. They said I think that they, they started doing it before the bye week. Right, they did, but they scrapped all the stuff that wasn't working. But that's because Tom Brady is that system now. It's not because Tom Brady is a bad quarterback that he only has to run one system. It's just because that's what Tom Brady is. And that's what makes him so great. Yes. And people want to knock it against him. But I have to say the same thing about Peyton Manning. For all the people that argued, and I was one of them, that said that Peyton Manning was greater than Tom Brady. What was Peyton Manning? He was a system. He was that, Mm -hmm. I'm in the shotgun, I read on the field, I make flies on the adjustment type quarterback. He didn't start out that way. But because of his run in Indianapolis, and we found out what he was good at, every coach that came in afterwards just continued to feed into his strengths. It's the same thing with Tom. You can't use it as a knock against him. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a worthless argument. Look at the Packers struggle with Aaron Rodgers in a new coaching system. <clears throat> and he put up some of the best numbers of his career. Yeah. This year. Yeah. Right. That's, but that's the difference though, is these coaches try to change Aaron Rodgers instead of letting Aaron Rodgers run the Be system great. almost. Right. So, you, and that has started to happen a little bit more this year. But who's to say he – it's not that he became the system. Who's to say Brady didn't invent that system? Because At, that's what, what they what they've done over the last 10 years, not what they did in the first five years of Brady at that with that team. So who's yeah. to say it wasn't him and someone else working to, to build the system he now runs, figuring out that I'm not athletic. Well, a lot of it, a lot of it was the same, though. Think about what Troy Brown did. What does he did that was any different than Wes Welker that, that did any different than Julian Edelman? Well, I don't mean just that, though. What I was mean Lawrence the... Maroney's role in there before it was Corey Dillon and, or after Hillary Dillon or whatever it was? Like, I mean, a lot of the stuff that they've done, what they have <laughs> hold done. Hold on. So... Hold on. The fact that you're naming names like Corey Dillon and we're just <laughs> re- sitting here casually talking about the what feels like an eternity of Tom Brady's career <laughs> is like, I'm like, Corey Dillon, goddamn. <laughs> that was a while ago. Holy shit. Oh, you want to hear something crazy? You want to hear something that blows your mind? Look, we're off target again, guys. My fault. Go ahead. Finish that. Um, what, what is the target? <laughs> Calvin Johnson yes. started after Brady, yep. mm-hmm. played a full Hall of Fame career. Didn't I tweet that into the chat? Was that you that, were, that were, were you, did you send it? Yeah, sorry. Continue. And he has since. Retired and then retired long enough, long okay. enough. But he, but you have to wait five years to get into mm-hmm. the Hall of Fame. He's been retired long enough that he is now a Hall of Famer, and Brady just won a Super Bowl. First ballot, and started after him. Um, As I saw that, and I was like, "Did you guys see the other crazy statistic? Which one? There's a billion of yeah. them at this point. Brady, Brady started before I was. I was. I wasn't <laughs> even close to being in high school when Brady." <laughs> I was my uh, when he got drafted. I was in high school, sophomore year. I was watching Michigan at like so. ten years old. Watching uh, Brady's second team. It was his seventh ring. Yeah, in his twenty-first oh. season, seven two seven twenty-one. That's crazy. That's that's insane uh, to me. That's nuts. That's just that wild. Oh, completely wanna, absolute nuts. So, I have a tinfoil hat on right now. No, no, I, it's not a conspiracy theory thing. It's just literally just crazy how that happened. That's all. Do you want to know who Brady's best comparable is on player profiler? Jesus Christ. Philip Rivers. 
And it's and it's no no. I'm not saying that Philip Rivers is comparable to Tom Brady. When right. you are on Tom Brady's profile, his best comparable is Philip Rivers. <laughs> so, Philip, what what were you doing all these years, bro? Like, right, right. <laughs> I think one of the biggest differences between Peyton Manning and Tom Brady is the leadership of each of them. Manning is not the vocal, gonna yell at you type of guy, but he he would probably be a actually very good coach. Where I don't know that Brady would be that great of a coach just because he's so arrogant. But when it comes to leading the team, he's lead by example. He's gonna get in your face and yell at you, but then he's also gonna hug you when you do something good. And I think and he's gonna go a lot of for I think a lot of guys respect him. Like when you're not playing on his team, you probably hate him, but you want to go play with him because you want to be around it. And I think he elevates everything around him. I mean, this this team, what did we add? Three players outside of what they signed, obviously, because of Brady. But you're talking about the Werfs, Winfield, and Tyler Johnson probably were the three players that had any type of role in this postseason compared to last year's team. And you're talking about a seven and nine team that was nowhere near doing anything to the Super Bowl champions. And I think a lot of that is just the Brady effect. Well, I mean, it's definitely the Brady effect. You also, you also had in Dynamic and Sue. He was there last year. He played at the very He was there last year. Was he there last year? We didn't think we were going to get him back this year, but I think when Tom came, he's like, oh, why not? Let's play with Tom. Oh, that's right. He was there last year. For some reason, I was thinking it was the Rams last yeah. year, but it was the year before. Yeah. That's right. Never so mind. We were, disregard that. Strike that. <laughs> the past couple of years, we have been talking about how the Bucks' defense is in position to, right, to win, be something. But the problem was Jameis Winston throwing a pick and giving the other team the ball at the 30, 40-yard line every time. We also had really crappy corners, too. They've yeah, we, We've gotten right. lucky with some, sure. some later – round corner guys than the first round picks that we seem to waste I, on corners. I, I will bodies. say that I will say that your secondary yeah, in a year. I will say your secondary definitely was a huge help this year. Obviously the Brady effect is always big, but when you're going from Brady you're going from Winston to Brady, I mean, you know, we talked about this defense last year. This defense mm-hmm. looked like it was one of the best defenses in football. They just couldn't get out of their own Coming way. On late. Like, well they couldn't get off the field. Because oh, the correct. offense could but, stay but, on the field. <laughs> but late <laughs> like, in the season, they were coming on. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. Because that, that, that defense backfield is very young and still very young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. It, I think Brady just has that effect on players, though, in general, and that makes you want to be greater than you, you already right. are. I mean, you didn't, you didn't hear guys complain. Shaq Barrett didn't have as good of a season as he had prior to that. You didn't hear him out there complaining about it. I mean, they were rotating in guys, even in the Super Bowl, I think just because, I mean, they were blowing them out, but, wow. you know. They, what did I mean, the Giants we do need, when we they changed everything, the obviously. Rotated oh, yeah, people on defensive line, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but again, these were these are no-name guys that they were just, I think, given a chance. But I think, as like, the, you could see they're having fun. And I, I know winning changes everything, but I think that's what Brady brings, though. He's like, okay, we're going to be professional, we're going to win, but Let's have fun also. I, I think he, he's going to put up at the same time. He's a I put also, up or shut up. I also think that when you bring in Brady, it automatically just gives you 
that hope that we can do anything and everything. We just got to make sure we do our job. Yeah, which exactly. is what the was what the moniker of New England was one of the years they won the Super Bowl was do your job, you know. So I mean, it's just that's just the way that that is. So you do your job and you win, and that's what Brady's pretty much proven. So so since... Bay, congratulations, Mark. By the way, yes, congratulations. I know you've been hey, you've been a Bucks fan before Brady got there. So I, I'm I'm uh, anybody who wants to question his fandom, you're idiots. You want... <laughs> All you have to do is look up when Ward done was drafted by the, the Bucks, and that'll be when I was a fan too. Yep. <laughs> Since Brady won this year, how many more years? How many more championships could he take? Mark says two. Ch- well, two years. Two, two years. Not championships. Two years. Champ- yeah. Championships are a lot harder. I mean, Much even I mean, Mike, even with are. Mike Evans, even with Mike Evans saying, you know, keep, you know, keep my money and keep this team together. It's, there's no guarantees that it goes back to a. You know, in the no. Super Bowl, but it's Brady. You can't bet against them. That's no. the thing. I mean, don't so. but don't get me wrong. We this this Super Bowl run was great, but it also didn't come with help from other people. Drew Brees threw four interceptions in that game. That doesn't happen very often for Drew Brees to throw four interceptions. Brady threw Aaron, three interceptions against Green Bay after throwing three touchdowns, but Aaron Rodgers struggled. In the first half of that game, couldn't do anything. Even even against Washington, things had to break our way. I mean, we we barely beat the Giants this year. We needed to stop a two point conversion. So it, it's I mean, and it, then injuries. We we were you look at our team. We were not that injured across the board. I mean, Vita Ve missed a big part of the year, but even he came back for the playoff run. Yeah, that I think, I think your defense is the MVP of your team this year. I mean, let's be oh, honest. Easily. Your, your defense was literally. I mean, you think about Mahomes. I mean, let's let's not let's not mistake in this. Mahomes ran for four hundred and ninety-seven yards, and still should have had touchdowns on those plays. And still, yeah, well, touchdowns are big plays, regardless. Four hundred and ninety-seven yards. He ran away under pressure in Tampa Bay. Did you see the other crazy stat? Fifty-two percent of his dropbacks. He was under pressure, hit, or whatever it may be. Like that is the highest number by a large margin in NFL history at Super in the Super Bowl. While playing with turf toe, while playing which is with one of the most debilitating injuries you can have, and he still was, as he was running away from those guys, making plays where if his receivers could catch the ball, I don't know what would have happened because they dropped. A couple of those. Kelsey, of all people. Tyreek Hill let him bounce right off his face mask. I mean... And then there was a third one. I forget who the the third one might have been Hardman, I think, but... I mean... It just... It was crazy to me. I mean, it it was nuts to see this, the way that it happened, and just to think that, you know... We're talking one or two big plays away in Kansas City's defenses off the field and, and resting longer. You know, like, who knows what could have happened in that game with that, but... Kudos to Todd Bowles. I mean, they they literally played cover two all game. I don't know what Kansas City was calling for plays on the other side, but I don't think it would have mattered because Tampa Bay found pressure. I, you could have called – everybody's like, oh, you could have ran the ball. You could have thrown screens. Well, there's no guarantees that Todd Bowles wouldn't have adjusted that. You can't run sideline to sideline on Tampa Bay. Devin no. White is too good. Devin and White is probably – David is just as good yeah. at it. 
and and and, and David Devin White might literally be on the cusp of being the best linebacker in football. I won't go that far because he gets himself out of position too often. He has the speed to make up for it, but it hurts them. His his coverage ability definitely needs to. That's why he blitzes more than David does because you don't want him in coverage a lot of times. But I, th- I saw somebody who covered very well in the Super Bowl this past Sunday. I saw that. Yeah, but Sunday. but they they also you know they dropped a lot of people. That 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 defensive scheme was the exact opposite of what Todd Bowles will ever do, probably ever again in his life. Well, kudos to Todd Bowles. It worked. Um, it's kudos to him to be a coach who could who could take his system and change it like yep. that because there are so many coaches that won't do that. Yeah, but I'm a blitzer, and so I'm blitzing. Yeah, that's what I brought up in the chat. Remember, like, how many of these Super Bowls? Like, I, I get it. You know, we all you think about the big plays, or people are saying the punting on the Chiefs side. I get, I get all that. It was so and bad. I, I, well, I don't. I, I, when I look at this, you look back. How many of these happen from a defense that just plays to another level than they have maybe the past three games, even the full season? Like the Bucks had a good defense, not super great against the pass. Was it twenty second in the league against the pass? Something like that. Number something like that, yeah. One or two against the run. That we were number one of. Number one. Okay, I thought it was one or two. Number twenty two against the pass, but then they come out with the scheme and the players are able to execute and get pressure on the quarterback. I, you, you can't do anything about it if you can't react to that. And they were not able to stop the pressure. You, they, they were, I was thinking about the Eagles win over Brady and I, I kept imagining it. Like he was just getting taken down constantly. He was sacked one time in the entire game and it was the forced fumble towards the end. Yeah, but how many pressures, how many hits was it, did he have? Because that, that, that's, you know, you, you get Brady off of his spot and he has to move around. Even if you don't get him the sack, he, you know, that affects him. But that was also, what, 41 to 33. You don't see those kind of Super Bowls. No. And the Rams one was completely different. But that was Opposite. similar. That was just. That was just a defensive battle, but it was a sloppy Correct. offensive game, too. Correct. Yeah. You know, it, it the was a combination. Were getting pressure. Right, yeah. I mean, Jeremy I mean, Goff couldn't, you know. But you're right. Our defense wasn't like this prolific, great defense until it came to the mm-hmm. to the playoffs. It seemed like, yep. and for whatever, whatever, you know what it reminded me of the year that Peyton won with the Colts, because that Colts defense was hovering right around 15 all year, and then all of a sudden, in the playoffs, it was literally like lights out. Like you couldn't do anything against that defense, and, and really. Devin Hester, yeah. Well, I mean, but even then, like Devin Hester came out and hit the, you know, had it had the kick return for a touchdown. Those things game. do win you championships, usually. right? And you're starting to look like, oh, oh, maybe this is not going to be a good, good ending. And then, it, what was the final score of that game? It was it like was Seattle versus Seattle Denver with Peyton Manning that first yep. snap up over the head that was such a bad completely game. changes the entire so. game from that. That game Packers. ended right there. The yeah, year the Packers won the Super Bowl. Which one? The the Bears won. The oh, Bears scored four, they scored fourteen points in the first quarter. Yeah, because it was a kickoff return for a touchdown, and then Kyle Orton threw a touchdown. Right. I don't know. Gross. I'm sorry. 
I, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of when Baltimore dominated uh, the Giants. The Giants in like 2000? In 2000. That's what I was thinking of. Sorry. Because that game started off with a kick return for a touchdown, too. That 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 was the game I was thinking of. But When was Desmond Howard's kick return touchdown for the Packers in 96? Was that the 90, opening kickoff? 96. I don't know if that was the opening. First the was Patriots. That, was that the opening yeah. kickoff? Was it? No, that wasn't the opening kickoff, I don't believe. that Was, was, it, the, was it the second, second half? half? Opening maybe. kickoff, second half opening kickoff, maybe. It's a good way to start. Uh, fucking next year though with John Elway, good god. Well, Terrell Davis. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Or just before we sign off here tonight, any deep sleepers that you guys have thought about yet in the draft coming up? Anybody you're keep anybody you're keeping an eye on for and a like sleeper? The NFL draft. Well, I mean, Not like a Debbie that, draft that could have <laughs> fantasy relevance. Well, you got to be because, like, well, I mean, okay, so uh, any deep sleepers in the NFL draft that could have fantasy relevance, Eli? That is that good? Is that better? <laughs> oh shit! You love me, you know it. Go ahead. Uh, you got somebody or no? I'm looking. Shy Smith, wide receiver of South Carolina. Keep an eye on him. I don't know what his trajectory will be at the next level, but I got a feeling about him. So Shy Smith, wide receiver, South Carolina. Mark, do you have one or no? I mean, I don't know if he's a deep sleeper, but I am keeping an eye on Ramonde Stevenson mm-hmm. just based on his senior bowl mm-hmm. weigh-in. He's lost like 15 pounds from what he was playing at. You're gonna you're gonna be better to find one on the wide receiver side. I mean, this class is just so so much deeper. Yeah, running running backs just kind of have a fall off like at each tier. I feel like so. I mean, you could keep an eye out for Cornell Powell. I mean, he literally only had one good game his entire career in college. But <laughs> because, what? what's that? He's got Corn, <laughs> Cornell Powell. No, he he had one. One game his entire college career. Because I'm pretty sure he was a senior. I believe he went to the senior bowl. Did he go to the senior bowl? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And he had one game the entire <laughs> career where he actually did something in college, and that was the Ohio State game in the in the semifinal this year. Does Elijah Moore count as a deep sleeper? There you go, Elijah. Or is Moore. he too? <laughs> is he too well known at this point? I feel that like he's just. I think that. Cats out of the bag. Probably out of the bag. Does Tamori and Terry count as a deep sleeper? Well, that's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Tamori and Terry. Yeah. I feel like when you're talking Debbie here, you're because dude, dude was on top of the world last year. I know. Uh, <laughs> and now he's gonna be like a sixth round pick if he's lucky. Seriously. So, all right, guys. I don't Anybody know what else? happened to Kadorius Tony at the Senior Bowl. By the way, dude yeah. couldn't catch a cold. Nope. Nope. He was draw. He was. Uh, did I see that he, he? They even tried direct snapping it to him, or no, uh, pitching it to him. And he still couldn't catch that. Mm-hmm. And that's going to do it for tonight. Until next week, this is the Dynasty Academy. Thank you, and have a good night.
the look up games was this metrics. I'm sure you can figure out everybody what percentile oh. is. Oh, oh yeah, I remember this one. Twelve and twelve second. Twelve and twelve and percentile. Twelve and twelve and yes, like forty second would be, but.